Hey guys, this is Eric and you're listening to Bucket Talk powered by Brunt. This week we speak with Mark Aquilino, the 32-year-old president of Outdoor Pride Landscaping and Snow Management. Listen in to hear how he not only quadrupled the size of his family-owned business, but caught the attention of Forbes magazine as well. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. I'm here with Mark Aquilino, president of Outdoor Pride Landscaping and Snow Management. Mark, just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. Know you're know you're super busy, especially this time of year, and we really appreciate having you. Absolutely, buddy. So, can you kick us off and tell us a little bit about you know your background? You know, you know where you grew up, where you came from, how you kind of got to where you are today, and go from there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll give you the personal background. So, 30, uh, 30 something years old. I just had a birthday. I feel like I'm getting <laughs> older. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, no turned 32 in April. Just introduced my first child to uh, to the world, little Anthony. My wife and I are uh, he's now 11 months old, so we're super pumped about that. And just trying to navigate being a dad, as you know very well. <laughs> yep, yep. So grew up in Massachusetts, and my parents, when I was young, moved up to New Hampshire. Grew up in a town called Londonderry, New Hampshire. <clears throat> now I moved and uh, live in a town called Bedford. So I've been in New Hampshire for most of my adult life, although uh, our business, uh, Outdoor Pride, is rooted in New Hampshire and now heavily rooted down in Massachusetts as well. But yeah, grew up playing sports, just grew up in a, in a pretty unique household too. My, my parents, in particular my father and mother, started the business. Actually, the year that I was born, when they moved up to New Hampshire, my father had a uh, unique career in banking and decided he wanted to start a landscape business. So it was kind of fun. Growing up in an entrepreneur household is definitely uh, eye-opening to those that have done it because you know you get to see um, all the trials and tribulations and the successes and the failures and the good times and the bad times of what it's really like to uh, start a family business from scratch. And uh, I was always cherished my time growing up in that household because things weren't sugarcoated. I mean, we're an Italian family. We talk like we're landing planes and we, we, we talk with, with some good conviction. So even as I talk to you right now, I, I, if my wife came up here, she'd be like, are you stealing third base? Are you trying to give me some signs or what's going on? <laughs> yep, but, yep. Uh, but just a lot of fun, a lot of love in the household and um, got to see uh, a lot of things that, you know, maybe kids my age didn't get to see and, you know, got to look at my first P&L statement when I was, you know, you know, 10, 11 years old and asking different wow. types of questions and stuff like that. So it was really cool. And it, and it really, I think, helped build my entrepreneurial spirit, you know, from, from when I was able to come in and take over the company. But just growing up, loved to play sports. If I could be outside, I was there. If I was with my buddies, whatever it was doing it, got to spend a lot of time in, in different places throughout New Hampshire. That's been a lot of fun, whether that's hiking, the beaches or up at the lakes. That was, uh, that was where you would find the family on the weekends or whatever. It's always good to hear the, the story behind the business before we get into it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you've got a unique angle because not only are you the 
president of the business now, but it also had the complexity of passing it from prior generation on to you. Tell us a little bit about the business, you know, uh, you know, from the size, the employees, all that stuff, where it is today, and then how it, how it kind of, how the torch was passed from your parents to you and all the, all the good and the bad that comes along with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a, it's been a good ride. I mean, the business was started back in 1988, so it's, uh, 32 years old and, it's been our, it's been like the family's baby too, right? Like not just my brother and I being the, <laughs> being the babies to the parents, but the business was uh, also a very large part of the family history for sure. So my, my parent, my, my father in particular, he was in uh, he had a unique career. He, once he graduated high school and went to college, he, um, he dabbled just like everybody kind of does after college with what do I want to do and worked in construction in the trades for a little bit. And uh, then I actually took a job for a uh, a bank and had a really um, unique experience at a bank. He actually worked there for years and, and, and started on the ground floor and actually worked up to managing different branches and, and helping this particular bank get acquired over the years. Had a real strong tie and sense to the community. So he... Although he ran different aspects of the branch from the hiring and firing of the tellers all the way to, you know, closing out the day end and, and all the functions that go into the banking world. But he really took a, a, a cool approach to building a community bank where, you know, they'd know who Eric was and, and, and they'd know Eric's family. And, and people took a lot of pride coming there and having coffee and, and chatting with one another. And he took a particular interest in the loan department because back then, if you wanted to start a business, you'd go down to your local bank and more times than not, you know, you were known and you yep. really could almost get a loan based off of your name. Never mind your idea. You know, your last name really meant something to the people that, uh, that knew you or you grew up around and, and it was weighted heavily. So wow. my father took a unique approach to, you know, trying to help people that maybe didn't have the best idea or maybe had a phenomenal idea and work that business plan to the point where, um, you know, they had something that was viable and something that the bank could get behind and support. So I think that was really where my father said, Hey, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for, for people. And I really get a lot of joy out of doing it, but you know, I've had this urge to go and start something for quite some time on my own. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to, uh, to go out and do that? So after he helped the banks get acquired, he, um, he did that, and uh, he started Outdoor Pride Landscaping, uh, which was the name back then. Like everybody else that uh, that bootstraps a business, you know, put his heart and soul into really growing that. And those were the, the things that we saw growing up as kids. My mom, yep. on the other hand, was uh, you know had one job for thirty years from the time when she was nineteen to the time when she left there at forty nine. Had a pension, had a four hundred one k, and you know, as timing worked out it would put it to where my mother would have the time to, uh, you know, help my father as his business started to scale. Yep. So about five years ago, cause I really had been working at outdoor pride as often and as, as much as I could, I'd always have a lot of fun going to the office, seeing all of the employees, seeing my dad. It was like, kind of like my thing that I wanted to do growing up. I mean, I got paid when I was 12 years old in frosties at Wendy's <laughs> <laughs> to go in and, and to help out with little tasks. And if I did a really good job, maybe I'd get two, you know? And, yep. uh, and, and did you, and the quick question, you, so obviously from a very young age, but you also were in the trenches at Outdoor Pride before, obviously be, you didn't just get thrown in as president and here's the business. You, you, you were doing the real work, right? Well, oh, yeah. Out of the, yep. Yeah. There okay. was, 
there was uh, years and years of sweat equity built up there. And, and in all fairness, I mean, I didn't know if it was something that I wanted to do. I had an inclination, but you know, I was young. I mean, I was like yeah. the kid at 12, 13 years old that was like, no, I want to go to work. I want to mow the lawn. I want to, you know, I want to shovel when I can, you know, growing up in the entrepreneurial household, you, you tend to have a lot of the characteristics that your, your parents do that rub off on you. And one of the things that I was able to see, and it was so apparent from, from everything that when my parents got home to giving us the time as kids to being able to put us down and hopefully we stayed, stayed in bed and didn't cause too much of a ruckus, but you'd see them, you know, strategize and make plans and have late night conversations. And, and, and really what I equate my parents and, and seeing all of that and getting us involved into things so young was, you know, where I obtained my work ethic, both my brother and I have a tremendous work ethic. And we feel confident and happy saying that because it was how we were raised. You know, that time that I was able to have working throughout high school and then after high school in the business where I said, hey, there's a, a passion here. There's something that I like about it. I think that I could, you know, make a nice career doing that. And, and, and it was a weird way of thinking because, you know, as we've changed as a business over time, we've really tried to harness and foster a career and a family-like culture, which I feel yep. very proud that we've been able to do, but not something that, um, you know, a 16 to 18-year-old kid says, I want to go into landscaping for the rest of my life, you know? Bring us back to five years ago, right? You All of a sudden, you know, you're taking over the reins here for, for this business and you're taking a business that was the baby from your parents you know, how, how tricky and challenging was that? And, and then, uh, and then what have you done with the business over the past few years to where we are today? I think for my parents to be able to have transitioned out of the business was obviously very tough. I mean, like I said, that was their baby for years and years and their main source of income. So for somebody else to, to want to step up to the plate and to come to the table and say, Hey, I'm ready to do this. Let's make it happen. There was a lot of you know tough discussions, very brutally honest discussions about a plan and how to get there. So, but but I think my parents saw you know about five six years ago when when my team and I uh, essentially took over the business, our leadership team, that it was time. The industry was making a lot of different changes. Technology was playing a big part in what we were doing. I knew based on you know, growing up in the business, its potential and the yeah. brand that my parents had put in place. I just saw this huge opportunity in the market, but I knew it was something that I wouldn't be able to do by myself. So we were able to bring a great team together from our business manager that we had brought in from to kind of hold us more accountable and responsible to the financials. Well, I had the ability to go out there and to grow this thing into what it's been. So in the, in the past five years, since we've taken over, we've grown it um, four times in, in, in revenue and really, really increased the, uh, the bottom line profits because we were able to take this, phenomenal brand and foundation that my parents had put in place, exploit it, do what we do well, and, uh, and, and really focus on that. And that's been the key to our success is staying disciplined, staying focused, and really becoming a purposefully driven company. I mean, in the past five years, we've had a, a tremendous amount of success that we're very grateful for. And that didn't just, the success is is definitely a derivative of, you know, learning and adjusting to any types of failures. But, you know, some of the things that I think really have helped us perpetuate to this growth is the fact that we are just so focused and purposely driven on our team members. Um, yep. You know, one of the most notable things that's happened to us over the last five years is we were able to be recognized by Forbes magazine as a small giant and a purposely driven company that cares about their culture. 
And so one of 25 companies or 50 companies, I can't remember how, uh, how many were accepted into this program that were nationally recognized for what they're doing. And that's really our secret sauce. You know, we yep. can have a, we can have a great plan and, and we can put as much strategy as we want into it. But, you know, I'm a big believer in culture, eat strategy for breakfast, the culture that we've been able to sustain and grow and nurture over the years has really been the thing that I'm most proud of uh, getting up and having the ability to go to work with a bunch of great individuals from so many different backgrounds that are working together for a common goal, you know, holding themselves accountable to one another for the greater success of everybody. That's like playing, that's like bringing me back to playing sports, right? You know, and, and yeah. kind of making sure that business is a team sport. So the growth and the success is definitely a testament to the brand, but more so the, uh, the group of people that have been part of this brand over the years, you know, and I spend most of my days, you know, looking at businesses in different sectors across the board and to hear that a company grew top line revenue by four X plus and profitability is, is an anomaly. Usually, you know, people grow top line and they overinvest and they end up losing a little bit of money. They'll make it up later. So, or they grow up profitability, but then they, they cut a bunch of expenses and cut top line revenue. So I, I think, it's clear based on what you guys have going on with your, your cultural mission driven company is a clear testament to the anomaly of not only growing the revenue, but also growing the profitability, which is like, you know, one out of every thousand businesses that I look at or talk to is able to even accomplish that. So I think that's pretty exceptional for what you guys do. And what about from, a, you know, obviously the numbers, you know, numbers run the world. They make they make everything work. It's the, it's the scoreboard, whether people like to hear it or not, it's how it works. But, you know, what about you guys have a big culture? How about, you know, people, you know, that's a, you know, it seems like that's your guys bread and butter, what you focus on. How's the team grown and uh, where are you guys at today? So when about five years ago, when we, when we started on this growth trajectory, um, you know, we probably averaged about 25 to 26 employees at our, at our peak for our, you know, our routine maintenance work, which is a landscaping side to then probably jumping up to close to adding another, I don't know, 30 to 40 people for the seasonal side of our business, which is the snow management. And as things have trended over the years, you know, for, for this year, for 2020, we have um, 73 full-time employees year round. And then we add about another 210 to 230 seasonal people on top of that you can see with the uh with the growth of the top line revenue it's obviously equated to opening up more opportunities from a seasonal perspective which is great as well as the full-time year-round career and that's you know that's another piece of our industry that is so so important you know i know you and i had even talked before this about like hey landscaping is like that summer job that you have and it was something that i thought i could could do when i was younger because i hey i'll work outside i'll get a tan i'll stay active i'll stay fit again i played a ton of sports growing up like this will be great and then i realized that in this industry there was that fall off and there was no ability to retain. And I think one of the reasons why Forbes recognized us above and beyond our, you know, our messaging and our purpose is our track record in retaining employees and making sure that people understand that we legitimately are offering a career that will support you, your families and your needs in order to, to, to have a good life. And the trades, the trades is really something that I think is coming back strong. I mean, even during this, pandemic that's going on it's 
all of the trades industries that are out there are deemed essential. And the people that are, are making the world go around right now is a, a midst of you know several other industries that are obviously extremely important to the economies. But it's something that we took a, a lot of um, time to develop. And it's something yep. that we're extremely proud that, hey, you know, we have guys that are buying houses. We have gals that are working in with uh with the crew because that's a that's another big thing we have a, a lot of women that are becoming very very successful in this industry we're excited about that and we're excited to have a diverse unique group of individuals that can challenge one another to really harness and foster the environment in which we want to constantly produce every single day i mean we look at we're renting people's time during the week and we want to work hard we want to play hard and we want to have a, a sense of unity that exists every single day so that this is something that people get excited for, you know, coming to work. I mean, yeah. everybody wants to go to work with people that they like and, and have a good time while you're doing it. So if we can maintain that while also um, making sure that we're doing everything financially to support that, then yep. um, you've got a nice recipe for success. No, you said you said a few things there that really stuck out, which is, you know, yeah, a lot you would be here landscaping, you know, you can think of what you know what we were doing where what I was doing years was a little different because of family business, but you know, you know, cutting grass, leaf blower, weed whacking, right? Any anyone with with uh with those three things and a modes of mode of transportation can do it. And it has kind of that optics. But you guys, and I, I think it's a little bit to do with you coming in as like the young blood, which is, you know, times have changed, right? You think of the old yesteryear when I was growing up, there was you know, you run a landscaping crew, you work for, uh, uh, you know, prior generation when I was a teenager and, you know, no feedback, no coaching. They just want you to show up, do your job, pay you as least as possible so they can pull off the top. And, you know, the new generation that we're in is, you know, people want to be part of the company. They want to be part of a team. They want to feel like they're part of the organization, just not a cog in the wheel. And I think what you got, you know, you guys have turned that stereotypical landscaping into a platform for the industry, which, you know, people either need to, I think, start taking your approach or they're going to be, they're going to be left behind if, if not. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, part of that is definitely the market that we serve. I mean, we're, we're 100% commercial. We're working, working for fortune 500 companies and we're taking an active role and approach to their business and, and, and no different than the way in which we think about our employees. Do we, do we think about our clients in the same respect, right? We pride ourselves on being that relationship driven extension of your team. And, and that's how we want to be viewed. I mean, it's a, it's a partnership. It's not just a, Hey, we're the contractor. That is our customer. It's, Hey, we're an extension of your team. We're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure that your facility shines and that we have a focused and collaborative approach to ensuring that we're protecting your biggest asset outside of your employees, right? And that's the that's your campus. Yep. That where we essentially are responsible for the first look that everybody has when they pull into that property. We we take a tremendous amount of pride and uh and are are very fortunate to have some of the customers that we do from the you know the schools and colleges to the financial institutions or the insurance campuses that we run all the way to the the hospitals in the big, big, large corporate campuses to the trucking and logistical facilities, our clients have a serious demand for attention to detail. And yep. we need to ensure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that their business looks a certain way, functions a certain way without disrupting it. And uh, our collaborative, you know, relationship-based approach to being able to do that is just in turn work the same way as it has with our employees, where we up the amount of 
clients that we retain every single year. And that's another key to the growth that we've taken on is, you know, protecting the brand, making sure that we're, we're not losing sight of, you know, the people that have helped us on this journey to be able to grow. So we're, we're super, super focused on the employee and the customer to ensure that they're having the best type of experience with outdoor pride in order to, you know, sustain those relationships for years and years and years. And that's, that's been the case and a big part of what's important to all of us from a leadership perspective. So it sounds like you guys are on a great track, but if all we did was talk about everything, you know, all rainbows and sunsets, it wouldn't be that exciting. So what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now that, you know, it keeps you up at night or you're thinking about what you want to work on? What's the, what's really the thing that, that you're working to tackle basically that's not, you know, as, as rosy as everything else that we're talking about? The biggest thing for me right now, just where the noise is loudest is built around this pandemic, right? How long is it going to last? What's life like? And what's life going to be like the next six months to 12 months to the point where we've come out with a vaccine to the point where we can get back to normal? And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty there because there's just so much unknown, right? It's, it's unprecedented. We've never dealt with something to this scale that's affected, you know, our states that we operate into the country to the world. So that definitely has the most amount of noise to it right now. But above and beyond that, you know, it's the tough times. It's the problems that we face on a day-to-day basis that really build our resilience and allow us to be better. So from a perspective of where things are right now, yeah, this pandemic is is the biggest disruption. And, and part of that is making sure that we're doing absolutely everything that we can to protect our employees, right? Our frontline group of people. Yep. And so we've, we've made a ton of updates to our protocol and, and to the way in which we travel, to the way in which we work at sites, to the sizes of our crews, uh, all the way to we got these really great uh, fabric masks that are branded that uh, don't there just have the benefits of mitigating their exposure to one another and you know passing COVID if you had it or you're asymptomatic or you're around other people that could have it at some properties or wherever you're going to, you know, these things will also keep their SPF 40, right? So they they block UV, they you can wear them in the wintertime when you're cold. I mean, we're we're looking at all of these things and we're dealing with all this adversity and we're saying, hmm. In the midst of chaos, how do we not live in the fear zone? How do we make sure that we're, we're going to perpetuate this forward and, and resonate into an area that's more so in, in terms of growth and yeah. doing better and, and coming, overcoming things and, and taking a, a very collaborative team approach to solving problems and making sure that we're doing everything to combat the pandemic, to taking care of our employees and our clients and doing the right thing. And, um, and that's where, where the efforts definitely lie right now. Aside yep. from that, you know, as we've, as we've maintained this, uh, this growth trajectory, it's really come down to the labor market. You know, prior to this pandemic, you know, the economy was cranking on all cylinders. And yep. it's tough to, uh, to get people excited and, and, and really find something sexy about landscaping, right? Yep, yep. But, our, you know, our message to, as to what gets out and showing that there's opportunity in our industry, it's not just, hey, come in, mow the grass, weed the beds, install the flowers, you know, go home. It's, hey, I can, I can have account management. I can work on the client side of this things. I can do outside sales. I can do inside sales, right? Yep. Yep. There's, there's the finance team and the admin teams that are constantly growing. So really trying to keep the message out there 
that we're looking for people that want to make a home, want to make a career. And just because we're in landscaping doesn't actually mean that you'll have those labor functions, you know, aside from all of the other avenues and what it takes to have a well-boiled machine. So the labor has has definitely been a challenge um, with what's happened with the pandemic. The influx of applications have come in. And so trying to interview during a pandemic is a little bit challenging as well from having that face-to-face to trying to set up a zoom meeting to hey can can you come to our office can we have a meeting outside you know 10 feet apart and can we interview you wow. you know those are all different things that that we're dealing with right now but um yeah. my goal as president is uh, i have two goals and, and really two job functions that are, are what I tell everybody. The first thing is I, my job is to clear the path for others to succeed or help them clear the path so that they can succeed, right? Yep. The, se- the second thing is to mitigate and reduce any type of risk or exposure to our business. And right now, if my focus isn't on clearing the path that are, you know, is essential for us to be out performing the work because we are an essential business taking care of our customers and, and helping them at their facilities with safety and supplying the teams with everything that they need to be successful, then we can't fulfill that obligation. From a risk standpoint right now, it, nothing is more important than playing our part in having the being very fortunate to be an essential business, but also playing our part in making sure that we're not out there part of the problem and we're part of the solution and keeping everybody safe and putting the right precautions in place as well as changing our operational protocols to maintain a safe environment for everybody. So definitely the, the loudest thing that's going on right now and the things that we're trying to navigate as we go through the next 6, 12, and 18 months. Yep, yep. And what, what stood out to me from all that is, is, you know, and you guys have a really mature approach to it, which, which a lot of businesses that are great businesses, but you know, they're like, I just want to get back to the way things were. And you guys have accepted, Hey, even if, if, you know, we can go back outside and start shaking hands and going to dinner where our business has changed forever. And we're putting these protocols in well beyond when COVID ends up, you know, a year from now, you guys are going to still be doing a lot of this stuff to, which is the mature approach. And I think the foresight to say like, Hey, this is, we're not just going to go back to, you know, pre pandemic and we want to make sure that we're setting uh, the company and the team up for long-term success, which is, you know, it sounds like you guys are investing at a time where a lot of people aren't in the, in this, in these types of programs and really think it through it. A lot of, a lot of thought and attention, which, um, which is I think another reason what sets you guys apart from the back in the industry. For sure. I mean, what I had a great mentor and coach and friend to this day, told me, uh, he goes, listen, sometimes you just have to slow down to go faster. And, you know, being younger and being a millennial, I'm just like, what is he talking about? Like, slow down and go, what does that even mean? And Put the pedal uh, down, put the pedal down, gas. gas. Yeah, right. Like, you know, I like to go fast, right? So, (laughs) So at the same time, it's like that really started to resonate with me because I'm saying, no, you know what? We need to be more methodical. We need to take a, a smart approach. And things don't have to happen tomorrow if they're not well planned out. And so that's always been something that's stuck in my head when we get an idea or we try to implement something new or whether it be part of our growth strategy, part of the way in which we operate to the way in which we, we look at um, acquiring equipment or, or, or so on. And uh, that's really helped me slow down, take a more refined approach to really think things through and, and, and think about the long-term effects, not just the short-term. So that's definitely something I have written 
button on my uh, a sticky note on one of my monitors here to just remind yeah. me every once in a while of how important it is to uh, to just make well informed and good decisive decisions and, and more importantly to get input on those decisions from you know your trusted teams and those types of decisions that we've made over the past four weeks are 100% going to be the new policy and procedure moving forward to keep people safe. And I, I honestly hope that if we can get anything out of COVID as a society, you know, we can think about the things that we never used to do in the past, you know, from everything from the cleanliness to the way in which we went out, you're seeing some of the good changes that are actually happening. I mean, one of the things that, that we've seen and one of the things in which we're really working on right now, because we are a company that tries to take the greenest and most sustained approach to business for our clients is, you know, we're taking care of their outside asset, right? So yep. everything from maybe they have soccer fields at some of our campuses to baseball fields, all the way to just a very, very beautifully landscaped uh, campus that people are out constantly walking and doing things. And one of the things that we're really, really pushing right now, regardless of COVID, but I think it plays a small hand into it, is, you know, electric equipment, more yeah. so the, ro the robotic equipment that we can get out there. We have a couple clients right now that this will be their first year where we are introducing robotic and electric equipment that will go out and will keep their properties manicured in these general areas um, where you can limit down the distractions of yep. the landscapers. And I mean, we're guilty of it too, because right now we'll go to some campuses and, you know, I've, I've seen it from when I go pull into a property to when I'm out with my, my wife and our son to, to go pick something up or maybe have lunch with them. And you see the typical, landscapers they're on their equipment they're going around they're mowing things uh they're loud sometimes they're in the way sometimes they don't have the best presentation i knew yeah. that was the company that we didn't want to have we didn't want to personify that we wanted to be uniform we want to have clean trucks we wanted to have a great presentation but part of of doing that is to be forward thinking and sustainability yeah. plays a large part in our company from everything that we do and where we see the industry going forward and, you know, robotics and the use of limiting our CO2 emissions with electric equipment is, uh, is really just a way of the future for us. And we're really looking to push that now with our clients, a mist of COVID and everything to continue the innovative um, momentum we have going forward to set us apart from not just our competition, but, if there's better ways of doing things and there's a greener side that accomplishes the, the operational brand and the, the quality control as well as the financial responsibility that we have to our customers to bring some of these things and to implement them, we look at that as a win-win approach, something that we're doing that's also going to benefit the earth at the end of the day. No, it sounds great. I mean, focusing on, you know, <laughs> as you can imagine, not a lot of sustainability is not, uh, that's a buzzword right in the market and a lot of the the modern companies, but you really don't hear it, especially in the trades. And so I think it's one, it's impressive to hear it. And two, it sounds like, you know, leveraging the latest and greatest in technology from that, that type of equipment. So the next question is, so in addition to the electric mowers, which it sounds like it's the future of the world and the residential, you know, you see, you see some stuff like on-demand lawn mowing and snow plowing. Obviously that doesn't work in your world. You know, how is modern technology impacting your business? And, you know, you being a younger guy, you're obviously you're more well-equipped to kind of integrate that into the company. What are you guys seeing and, and what are you doing and how's it impacting the business? We've really leveraged 
technology to scale our business, right? That's the beauty of it is it, it does push for streamlining things and adding efficiency across the board. So one of the things that was paramount in us being able to navigate the growth was to making sure that we're balancing out the stool, right? So, so what I call the stool is we've got the financial responsibility to the company. We've got the operational execution of the work that we're out doing with our with our clients to get it done right. And then the last piece is making sure that uh, that both of those can coincide so you're not too heavily weighted and you're balancing things out, right? Yep. So the finance, the operation, and then the sales and estimating that, that rolls into it. So we've uh, adapted to an industry-specific software and actually took them on when they were quite new, helped them build their platform uh, to where it was launched nationally. And that's really been the way in which we've been able to you know, maintain our profitability by matching up our sales and estimation to the way in which the guys that are doing it. And then, hey, it still gets the same great uh, quality that our customers are used to seeing. So we've taken that approach where, where we've been able to kind of marry up all different sides of the businesses so that they can talk in real time and we can see what's happening on a, on a week-to-week basis from what we're doing out in the field and how that relates to things financially. The other thing that uh, we've really utilized technology for, especially during this pandemic, has been our ability to communicate with our customers. I mean, right now, I've been more than ever, I'm dying being at home, but I know it's the right thing to do. Like, I, I'm the type of guy that will, you know, talk to 15 people in person a day, and that's where I, that's where I get energized, especially... Yep with uh with my teammates so i haven't given up that portion because we've we've still got out we've got a job to do but the way in which we've been able to leverage communication in terms of technology from the way we share information with our customers to the way in which um we can assess problems in the field and the way in which our customers can communicate with us uh has been phenomenal so technology is going to be one of those things that we look to just consistently invest in um, because it almost always generates a return, right? Yep. Yep. It's like it, it's an it's a no brainer when we when we took on the platform that we use to to kind of manage the ins and outs of our business. It was like okay, this is this is a no brainer. This is this eliminates redundancy. This eliminates paper, right? Yeah. So. Again, another check in the box for sustainability and what we want to do. One thing we're actually in the in the process of doing, and uh, we're again because we're an extension of the team for our clients, is if we can get our customer to do everything electronically to the point where we can do contracts online, we can have communications online, they can pay their bills through ACH or whatnot. We will actually donate a uh, a tree to be put up in recognition of oh, wow. their their commitment to going green. So we're launching that this year because it's it, you know it serves two purposes. It's 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 good for mother nature and yeah. we as stewards of the earth really really want to get behind businesses that are supporting doing those types of changes. So we're excited for for that to come out and uh you know again it's just another way in which we're leveraging technology to be more efficient. It's going to be a way in which we'll be able to continue to scale and grow the business for years to come. I don't know about about the listeners out there, but I feel like I just got a college degree in what it's what it's like to from from start from a thirty year start to building and and forexing the modern day landscaping and snow management business, which is which is incredible. Let's take two questions and get a little bit lighter here. So it sounds like you've got a lot of coaches and mentors, and, and you know you're pretty well versed in a lot of strategy and, and and things of that nature. But if you could spend a half hour with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? 
<laughs> well, I want to take five minutes of that 30 minutes to go talk to Tom Brady and figure out why he broke my heart along with the rest of New England, right? <laughs> yep, yep. That's 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 definitely objective number one. And you know, and then maybe grab his autograph and and something like that. But uh but I definitely don't want to spend a half hour with him because of how heartbroken I've been over him going to Tampa Bay. But the uh the other person that I would definitely like to to get with is especially during you know this time of pandemic where it's easy to become a little bit you know depressed or bummed out because you're not seeing your buddies or you're not seeing your family. I mean our son's coming up on a year old and we don't even know what we're gonna do for his first birthday. I mean you talk about Italians getting together for your the first uh, grandson for for my parents would probably have a, a huge party and expect forty to fifty people there and meatballs flying all around. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, it's yep. like, well, well, what do we do now? So I think if I could have you know thirty minutes with anybody, I, I would have loved to have thirty minutes with Robin Williams and uh, and just sit oh, down and laugh and get just get an understanding of just a guy who can go turn it on, turn it off, and just sit down and, and make people laugh. Uh, I mean, we all know growing up, I mean, we saw Mrs. Doubtfire, we saw Aladdin, you know, we've seen all the different movies that he's made to the serious stuff that he's done. And I just think if there's anybody that I could go back and I could chat with and have like a, just a, a fun discussion with, I think he'd be somebody that just sticks out in my mind, probably because it's just, you know, I saw it the other day, Mrs. Doubtfire was on TV and I was just like, wow, this guy had so, so much talent. It was so sad what had happened to him. So he'd be the one person that I think if I could go back, I would definitely love to have a conversation with. I love that. Yeah. And his unique ability to, to be one of the funniest people in the world, but, but then also, you know, in Goodwill Hunting, take the serious approach where you're like, wow, like, like completely like diverse, like ability, which is like, just shows the skill a guy like that had. For sure. And last and final question. So all this talk about business and, and what you're doing and, and how incredible uh, outdoor pride is and really setting an example. When you're not at work, what's your, what's your release? What do you, what do you like to get into? Well, I'm definitely, a, you know, more of just a salesy person in business. And that comes from my, you know, uh, need for adventure or adrenaline that I have outside of outdoor pride. So, you know, you're going to, you're definitely going to see my wife and I doing stuff with our son right now. I mean, we just, we literally just bought family bikes the other day. This, this upcoming weekend looks gorgeous. Uh, you know, we get the little back for him and we bought him a helmet. So, you know, we're going to go cruise around our neighborhood and and just go for stuff outside. And that's the type of people we are. We love to be outside beach lakes, going up in the mountains, going for hikes. I think that's really coincided with, uh, how I got into the business as well as just the love for being outside and, and taking in mother nature and doing things. I'm also super into sports. So whether it's playing in a pickup league, uh, with some of my buddies or some of my colleagues at work, it definitely see me doing anything that's competitive. I mean, super, super competitive. Uh, yeah. and I, I can't turn that off at any time. It just, it's just, it's part of who I am. So, and then, you know, in the winter time, I mean, you and I have gone snowmobiling before, uh, yep. So I love, again, outside stuff, love doing it, uh, ATV in the summertime. I mean, you name it. And then my, my guilty pleasure is if I have some quiet time, which, you know, quiet time with a, you know, a one-year-old doesn't really exist unless they're <laughs> napping. And then you're yeah. probably trying to catch up on dishes and laundry and everything else that happens. But I'm huge into uh, staying consistent with, um, you know, just different books about self-help from being yep. a better you to being a better leader. Uh, I just dove right back into uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. 
which oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I, I picked up like three years ago, finished it and just wanted to get back into something. So I'm just always looking for a competitive edge and that could be from beating my buddies in golf to, you know, scaling up the mountain on a snowmobile to, uh, to anything to, to, to just having fun and just trying to constantly better myself. So I can't turn it off. I'm just too wound up to, uh, to be able to relax. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of the, the adventure seeking and adrenaline seeking in me that, uh, that just can't turn it off. So tough to keep yeah. up with that sometimes, but that's, yeah. that is, that is what you will find me doing. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, I saw it firsthand when our mutual buddy, Sean Hawthorne and, uh, gave me a call one day. He's like, Hey, my buddy, Mark, and I never even talked to Mark, never even met Mark. And he's like, yeah, we're going up snowmobiling at a, at a place up in New Hampshire. He's got an extra sled for you to ride. And he's like, yeah, you're more than welcome to come. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't even know this guy. We ended up going and I can confirm Mark can rip on a snowmobile or a sled, depending <laughs> on what you call it. And, uh, you got me hooked on a new, uh, you know, I'd gone snowmobiling before, but the way you guys ride was eye opening to what the, uh, what's out there. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm an addict now and next winter, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get pretty deep into it. So, uh, well, the sled's still there so with no. your name on it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm pumped. But no, Mark, this has been incredible. Deep dive on the, the history of a family business, how it transitioned to the next generation, the mission, and the approach you guys are taking, which I think is the future of the market. And for the listeners out there, if you're not thinking, you're thinking on the level that Mark and his team are, I think you really need to, you know, you need to take into account that these guys – They've set a standard that's really high, but also it's not completely unachievable. You know, Mark wakes up in the morning, he puts his boots on just like you or I do. It's just putting the right things in place and putting the right building blocks in place. And and, uh, and I think it's it's incredible what you guys have built at Outdoor Pride. And really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, we appreciate it too. We're proud of, uh, you know, our little story and, and you know, making an impact and, and doing what we can to uh, continue to provide opportunities for others. And that's kind of our... Uh, you know our mantra and something that i i know that my colleagues share every day when they get up and so i'm very lucky to have the group that i am uh lucky to be in the business that we are i'm, I'm super excited about getting up every day and being able to go outside and and make a difference in, in the clients that we have so it's been fun and i sincerely appreciate you uh 